Good morning and welcome to episode 51 of Beating Around the Bush podcast. Today's podcast is entitled Premature Expectations and the Train Keeps Moving. Episode 51, by the way, the Beating Around the Bush podcast is simply an extension of my column that appears weekly in the Carol Newsletter and are simply my opinions, my observations, and the usual ramblings of an old sports writer. Let's dig right in today. Premature expectations. Let me uh, explain exactly what I mean by that. Because I wrote my column on it this past week. It will appear in the newsletter that hits the stands today, I believe. Uh, I will get mine in the mail tomorrow. Although, you know, that's one of the few perks I get. I get a free newspaper. But it'll appear tomorrow in the mail. You can go to the newsstands, Walmart. I know other places to buy one. But when this football season started, there were not a lot of expectations as far as this Huntington Mustang football team was concerned. Not that they didn't have a lack of talent, as Huntington football teams always have an influx of great talent. But there are some years, and it's just true, uh, when you start talking about public schools, public schools on the average cannot maintain a great football season every season. Some do better than others. And I have an opinion on why Hayden has always been more successful than others, but there's not every year doesn't roll around that you expect a Hayden Mustang football team to win a state championship. And there are, there are very few schools around the state that you can say that about. You know, Maryville, Alcoa are the two probably only examples of when the football season starts, you expect them to end up in the state title game. And there's a lot. They have open enrollment. Of course, Carroll County does kind of too now. Everybody kind of pretty much does. But uh, Maryville and Alcoa had open enrollment before anybody else even thought about it. So kids would flock to those programs because they thought they had a chance to win a state championship. And in most cases, they did. But the expectations every year at those two schools to win, were to win a state championship. That was people coming in from uh, around the county and that kind of stuff, moving in just to play football there. That doesn't happen in this area. Now, you have some kids that move in. But it's very seldom that you have kids that move in and are going to make that big of a difference in your football program. And you have a few transfer in that, that, that helps your football team. But what I'm getting at is you really, public schools in West Tennessee especially, and let's focus on that, is that you deal with the kids that you have walking up down the hallway every year. And sometimes you have kids that are just a little more talented than the kids the year before. And graduation has an effect on uh, public schools. Uh, it had an effect on Hayden this year. Graduated several seniors last year. Had a Mr. Football finalist, a finalist Aiden Hutcherson, that graduated. Then you got to replace those kids. And this year, Hayden's going to have six seniors on their football team. And, you know, nothing taking nothing away from McKenzie. I think they have a good thing going, and I think next year they'll be a pretty good, decent football team because they have starting to build a little tradition. But they won't be as good as they have the last two years because they're graduating a lot of seniors. That's just the nature of the beast at a public school. So 
getting around to the point that I was making five minutes ago was that for Huntington to maintain the kind of success that they have had in some years is a very difficult thing to do because of some of the reasons I've previously stated. But so coming into this football season, the mindset was, as it is every year at Hayden, is we're going to field a football team, we're going to be competitive, and we're going to win some games. But the expectations were not there this year to make it real deep in the playoffs. Yeah, you, you could just about write down every year Hayden's going to make the playoffs, and they're going to win one or two uh, playoff games. But the expectations for a great season were probably pointed at 2023 because you have a lot of juniors on this football team this year that are super, super football players. And they really made a difference in this football team. Then you've got a lot of sophomores that have really, really played well this year. So when you look at what's coming back next year, and then you're going to have some people returning that uh, were injured uh, this past season, then the expectations were pointing at 2023 being a great football season. And you look at the seniors on the football team they have this year. You know, not all of them have contributed in the manner you think you know, when you've only got six seniors, you, you, there's not a lot of expectations as far as when you've only got six. And, you know, Elijah Flowers, of course, has been the best one out of that group. And he's played well on both sides of the football, especially offensively, considering he didn't play offense last year. But he's been a bellwether back there in that uh, backfield. And then, of course, I mentioned earlier, you had to place Aiden Hutchinson. Well, they've done that. Now, they've done that with uh, his little brother, Ashton. Ashton's played well in that backfield. You know, when you got Ashton uh, running one way and you got Elijah running the other, and then you got a sophomore quarterback, Gray Eubanks, and I keep mentioning uh, he's the most valuable player on this team. You could argue he's the best player on this football team, but he's the most valuable player on the football team because the way you kind of define that is if you what player, uh, if he's not playing on a Friday night, is going to make the – most difference, and that would be Gray Eubanks. But he's really, really played well this year, and he's going to get better next year. But, you know, I, I've even talked to a few people at before the season started uh, that some of the predictions were four and six, five and five, possibly, and, you know, maybe even six and four. But Right now, this very minute, as I do this podcast, Huntington Mustangs are 10 and 2 and are two games away from playing for a state championship. And the two opponents that they have in their way between here and Chattanooga are games that are winnable. I'm not going to sit here and predict that the Huntington Mustangs are going to play for a state championship because you've got an opponent this Friday night in Union City that is very, very capable 
of beating the Huntington Mustangs. Very, very capable. Because we saw that the last week of the season up at Union City, they actually led in that football game 14 to nothing in the first half. And Huntington came back, won that game 27-20 this past week. Uh, Union City shut down a high-powered Westview offense, held them to six points and under 100 yards total offense. Now, I have, I, I, I don't, I can't verify this. I've been told by some sources, and it, it really doesn't matter because the bottom line is Union City won, but I understand that Westview was without their quarterback who was out with a, a collarbone issue. Don't know that for sure. And that's not taking away anything from uh, how good Union City is because I, I talked to Coach Swenson the other night at a middle school basketball game. He told me that Union City was the best defensive team that we've seen this year. And that's saying a lot because uh, we, we faced some uh, a pretty good teams along the way, you know, especially McKenzie, who held us to 12 points. That's the only team that's really held us uh, down offensively. And uh, But that was the first game of the season. You know, who knows what would happen if we played them now. Still think McKenzie would win, being honest. And I'm always trying to be honest uh, on this podcast. But I think if McKenzie was to play right now, McKenzie would win. But it would be a different uh, score than what we had first week of the season. But anyway, that's a different point, different conversation for a different time. But now the Mustangs have this Union City team coming in Friday night. They beat them once. There's going to be a confidence factor. Because you know that you can beat the Tornadoes. Will Huntington beat the Tornadoes? That's up to the kids. And I hope the ones that are listening, that listen to this podcast everywhere, every week, realize that you have an opportunity that most people didn't expect you to have. And that's an opportunity to play for a state championship. Because if you can get past Union City, you're either looking at Riverside or Lake, I mean, uh, Lewis County. We already know about Riverside. We beat Riverside 33-7 to third week of the season. That doesn't mean, same by the same token we mentioned, uh, McKenzie playing them again. That doesn't mean we'd beat Riverside again 33-7 because Riverside's a very good football team. We still have to play. But, again, there's that confidence level. Uh, the, the point I'm making is you're, if it's Lewis County and Lewis County and, and Riverside played, uh, they're in the same region. It was a very close game, so, you know, they're comparable to each other, you would think. But either one of those teams uh, are going to be teams that you can win. But, th again, there's the confidence level. Because if, for example, Riverside wins and you beat Union City this week, so you, you know you can beat Union City because you already have. You know you can beat Riverside because you already have. Does that mean you're going to? No, you still have to play the game. They don't play it on paper. You know, if we take the scores from a season, hey, let's write them down. We've won both of those games, all right? Riverside wins. We beat Union City. We've already beat them because we beat them once already. We've already beat Riverside. Let's just go ahead and, and take two weeks off and go to Chattanooga. That's not the way it works. Still got to play the game. But here's the question that I asked Coach Swenson the other night. Because from a fan standpoint, and from a sports writer's standpoint, the question's the same. If the expectations for this football team were four and six, five and five, six and four, somewhere in that neighborhood, uh, because 
and get a little off track, and I'll get back to the question in just a minute, but you look at what this season offered when you came into it. You graduated, I think it was 12 or 13 seniors, something like that, and a lot of those contributed. You had to replace a couple of offensive linemen, and that's always a bigger factor than people give it or put emphasis on. It's a big factor when you have to replace offensive linemen. And then you had to place, replace a Mr. Football finalist in the backfield in Aiden Hutcherson. And you still had a young football team coming in, only six seniors. And then you had a schedule that had McKenzie, who played for a state championship last year. Then you had Westview that won a state championship last year. You had a Riverside team on your schedule that made it to the semifinals last year and were just two touchdowns away from playing for a state championship. And then you had a Milan team that is still playing, by the way. And you beat you you put 60 points on them last year, 63 to be exact. And they were going to be a little upset, I thought, at the time. And then you had a Trenton team that were going to be upset because their quality football team, they're still playing, by the way. And you broke a 44-game winning streak by them last year, so they're going to be a little upset. And then you had a Union City team that had was young and made the playoffs last year, and, of course, they're still playing. So you, you factor all that in, and you, you could see why the expectations might not have been very high. And then you got the wild cards in there. You don't know how good Southside was going to be because in the past, uh, they, you know, they, they have had some talent. They're a bigger school, you know, so you didn't know coming in. But getting back to the question that I posed to Coach Swinson, I said, Coach, if you, if the expectations weren't very high, then what's the difference? Why are they not four and six? Why are they 10 and two instead of being four and six? And actually it was nine and two when I asked him this question because they hadn't played against the Fairley uh, team yet. And we'll get to that in a minute. And, and his simple answer to me was this group of kids never quit. They never stop coming at you. And what, and he referenced, uh, there's at least four ball games that I, I think that's right that they were down double digits. They were down double digits to, uh, let me go back think here in my mind, they were down double digits, I know, to Westview. They were down double digits to Milan, if I'm not wrong. I'd, I'd have to go back and look, but I know they were behind at the half in that football game and then scored 21 unanswered points in the second half or 22 unanswered points, maybe it's 23, in the second half to win that game, uh, 42-21. They were down double digits uh, to Union City. They were down double digits to Trenton. Now, out of those four games I just mentioned, Milan, Westview, Trenton, and Union City, in which they were down double digits, they won three of them. And then the Union, uh, the Westview game, they were tied with three-plus minutes left in the football game. So they, they don't quit. Just because you get down 14 to nothing on them, uh, they've done something this year that I thought was not possible. And, and I know this sounds crazy, but they've scored two touchdowns from uh, from uh, 50 yards or more with less than 20 seconds left in a half of two games. 
that's not a Huntington football team. They're not a a two-minute offense. Never have been. Probably never will be. That's just the way it is. But at Trenton, they had, I think it was 16 seconds left and 60-something yards to go and scored. Same thing at Union City. They, they had less. I think they had 36 yards, but they had less time, I think, or maybe they had 24 seconds. But still 24 seconds, 36 yards, and a team that traditionally runs the football, and you score a touchdown. That's two games that they've done that in. And that is made that made a difference in both of those football games because if they don't score either one of those games, it's possible they lose both of them. So the resilience of this football team is amazing. But they keep coming at you. They, they're, they're a team that has embraced, would be the word, Eric Swenson's offense. And Eric Swenson's offense is when when you get the right kids in it, it it's 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 genius. I, I can't think of any other better word to use because this year what you've seen this offense do is they're going to continue to pound the ball at you. They're going to continue to run the football, and they've done a very good job of running the football. But when you came up team against like Union City last week of the season, when they faced a team that was very good defensively, a, a team that was very well prepared for Huntington's offense. They neutralized our running game. So what this team has accomplished and what they're able to do now that a lot of teams in the past have not been able to do is throw the football against Union City. When Union City started playing well against the run, we threw the ball 11 times, completed eight for 100 and something yards. Now, teams have to prepare for the pass. And when you start having to think about pass, that opens up the running game. There's a play that they've run, and I hope no opponents are listening to this podcast. I mean, it wouldn't help them if they did because I know they've looked at it on film. But there's a pass play to Elijah Flowers, who lines up in the, the wing just like he always does. And he goes straight down the field, right down the seam. And they've completed that pass every single time. Now, you can't tell me that teams hadn't looked at that pass play on film. And and somebody told me that Trenton knew it was coming right before the half. They were hollering, watch the pass down the middle of the field, and we still had him wide open. It's because of Eric Swenson's offense, because you get to looking in the backfield as a defensive player. When you see Elijah Flowers uh, take a step to his left and then take a handoff on the counter, you're used to seeing that. And you see that all game. And then all of a sudden, he starts running towards you. You don't know what to do. And the next thing you know, he's wide open down the middle of the field. And let me tell you, Gray Eubanks will find you if you're open. Now, here's an interesting uh, thing, because I asked Coach Swenson the other night, I said, Coach, do you realize where you're coaching at? Have you forgotten? We don't throw the football. We run the football, because that's just who we are. And that's who we'll always be, and I, I don't have no problem with it. I mean, you've got to pass a little bit. I understand that. And he would, I was joking, and he says, he said, he said we're going to throw it more next year, because Gray Eubanks can throw the football. But uh, 
you know, but he says in practice, they don't catch nothing. He said they, they can't catch nothing. And uh, not only that, in, in warm-ups, they drop everything. But in the game, they catch every single ball that's thrown. Braxton Montezioka has been a jewel from that tight end position, uh, position catching the football. He had a big catch down at uh, Fairley. And that is a weapon that, that they'll, 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 they'll need this Friday night. Well, let's recap, and I know I've only got 10 minutes or less in, in this podcast, but I want to get out because that's, that's something that was on my mind. I, that's what this podcast is about. I can do it the way, any way I want to. If you're listening to a recap of the Fairly game, what's there to recap? We went into that football game facing an undefeated Fairly football team. They were 10-0, and 0, had scored, and they and I know lots of listings you see they were 11-0, but they only played nine regular season games, and they, they put 62 points on Camden in the first round of playoffs. And uh, they, But they were undefeated. So th- that was a big deal. And I really thought they'd be better than what they were. I, I'll be honest with you. But it was nowhere close. Now, Yes, at the end of the first quarter, it was scoreless. And it was only scoreless because uh, we fumbled. We were going to score if we hadn't fumbled. But, you know, we score on the first play of the second quarter to go up seven to nothing after an 11 play drive on a Gray Eubanks. Gray Eubanks had two touchdowns running the ball of the night, I believe, and had two touchdown passes. And. <laughs> You know, counted for four touchdowns. and But that started the ball rolling because we held fairly, who just remember now, put 62 points on Camden. And I know Camden's not a real good football team. Uh, we, we beat them 57 to nothing. It could have been worse. But they made the playoffs. So they started, you know, turning the corner, you would think. But we held fairly to under 100 yards total offense. And they had less than 20 yards rushing. And they had some quick backs. They didn't throw the football very well. It's really surprising to me that we handled them that easily. But after the Eubanks score, then, you know, we had like five or six sacks in a football game. I know C.J. had, uh, C.J. Polinaro had three or four sacks. I know Elijah Flowers had a couple. But they could not, they could not get out of their end of the field. And we didn't have but like 300-something yards total offense. But a lot of that's because we had a short field every time because of our defense. Our defense played outstanding. But after Eubanks scored that touchdown, we get the ball back after a couple of sacks, incomplete pass, punt, uh, flowers. We get the ball at their 22-yard line. And nine-yard run by Elijah Flowers, 14 to nothing. Uh, then we get the ball back after an interception by C.J. Palinaro, and it was a great interception. He was laying on his back when he caught the football. Fell down, and a ball landed in his lap. Uh, great, great concentration just to catch football. Then we get the ball to 32. Eubanks scores on a one-yard run. It's 21 to nothing. And then uh, right before the half, with 18 seconds left to go in a half, touchdown pass, 14 yards to Elijah Flowers. And uh, – it's 28 nothing in at the half. And the only points that uh, Fairley uh, came up with was right be 
the first possession of the second half. We had the football to start the half. Uh, they stripped uh, Ashton of the football, and they returned it for a touchdown. They caught it back because of a block in the back, and then eventually scored on the next play on like a 20-something yard run uh, by the running back. Who I had that written down here a while ago, what his name was, but I, I forgot what, where I put it. Oh, yeah, the Hollins kid. And uh, he was their best player, number four. But then it was it was over after that because, I mean, it made it 28-6. But, you know, we, we intercept another pass on a great interception by Caleb Pearson. They actually returned it to the four-yard line. And then Hutcherson with a two-yard run. And Cole Chafin uh, was almost near perfect Friday night on his extra points. And I got to where I just wouldn't look. The first time I didn't look, he made it. So I just quit looking. One time I did look, he missed it. So that's my fault. But we're up 35-6 to six after the Hutchison run. Uh, then uh, C.J. Palinero with a 36-yard touchdown pass from Eubanks. It's 42-6. to six. And then we uh, add another touchdown late. With right at five minutes left to go in the football game on another two-yard run by Hutchison. Missed extra point. That's the one I looked at. 48-6. And game over. Moved to the second round, but that really surprised me. And when you make that trip uh, to Memphis on school buses, uh, that's more difficult than you think it is. But what happens? We come back with a win against a team that was undefeated. And one thing I want to say, because I had this on my mind the other day, that football field, Memphis needs to do something. That football field that we played on, I've got some pastures out here on the farm that were better shaped than that football field. That's the kind of football fields you can get hurt on. But anyway, that's somebody else's problem, not mine. But a great win by the Mustangs. Opportunity is knocking, gentlemen. Opportunity is knocking, ladies. Whoever is listening to the podcast today, opportunity is knocking in a season you didn't expect it. Who expected it maybe next year. Union City is going to come to town on the turf. They're going to be ready to play. They've got a confidence level going themselves. They just knocked off the defending state champ. 10-6 to 6 on their own field. And they're going to be ready to play. They've got a good quarterback who can really run the football. They've got a pair of running backs that are very good at running the football. Their offense is tough. We saw that at Union City. They run that that veer, read option, whatever, however you want to describe it. But they have the potential to also make it to Chattanooga. Because in my mind and a lot of other people's mind, but you still, again, have to play the football game, is that whoever wins Friday night is the lead-on favorite to make it to the Class 2A state championship game. And when you think about it, wouldn't it be kind of neat to McKenzie play on Friday, Huntington play on Saturday, and that's when the game would be, would be at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, I went last year, so it's it's a good venue. Uh, easy to find, not that far off the interstate. Plenty of parking around in different places. But it, it's there. It, it could happen. But you've got to play Friday night. You've got to keep doing what you're doing. And the one thing that's on my mind when I think about it 
is I have no doubt that this group of kids that call themselves the 2022 Huntington Mustangs are going to be ready. There's no doubt in my mind. There are some players on this football team that their will to win is as great, if not greater, than a lot of football teams I have seen. And, I, and I'm going to name a couple of names that I don't like. To, I, I, don't feel bad if I've left your name out because that's not intentional. I just I don't have roster in front of me and I don't have time to name everybody but the heart and soul of this football team and people feed off these kids CJ Palinaro I just mentioned he's one of the best football players I've ever seen and he's 150 pounds Austin Bird uh is playing both ways now and they say he may be the strongest player on this football team he's not as tall as I am and I'm not very tall but he's stronger than I am I can dare you tell you that but I'm 66 years old so you know anyway uh you know, and then you got you, you got Gray Eubanks, who, as I mentioned, is the MVP of this football team. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, then Elijah Flowers. And then you got kids like uh, Jay Posterweight that played sick Friday night. And he's a bellwether on that offense. Luke Cooper at center. You know, I could go on and on and on about football players on this team. Backfield of Ashton Hutcherson and Elijah Flowers. You can't beat it. But the opportunity's there Friday night. And I hope I come back here next week on this podcast talking about Lewis County or Riverside. And I'm talking about a Mustang victory. Let's hope that's the case. But we'll have to find out next week. And until next week, I'll see you next week. And I hope you're listening. I hope you uh, tell your buddies and friends about it. See you next week.